they destroyed everything he had. All that he loved. Everything that he was. Now, crime has a new enemy, and justice has a brand new face. I was afraid that you wouldn't want me anymore. Of course I still want you. The good news is that I know who's behind our little troubles of late. Finish it. He has the power to look like any man. They stole both sons of witches! But he is unlike any man. I gotta tell you something about me. He's a cockroach. You think you're killing? And he pops up someplace else. In the darkest hour. Julie, who's the real monster here? There's a light that shines on every human being. But one. From director Sam Raimi. Dark Man. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Here's Johnny. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Here, here. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Sometimes death is better. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Screaming Cinema Podcast, uh, where we do a little bit of horror, a uh, little bit of superhero, a little bit of everything sometimes. <laughs> so uh, yes. this is a uh, this is a uh, brand new episode coming to you, uh, where we are not just talking horror films; we are talking um, about a little recent. Uh, a little uh, new release superhero film, as well as uh, kind of a cult classic um, superhero, kind of, I guess, can be in the horror vein, but uh, we're going to get through all that today. Um, I am one of your hosts, Tyler, and uh, joining, as always, is my other co-host, Max. How's it going, Max? It's good. I'm excited for this one. It's a little bit random for us, but I know how many people, both in and out of the horror genre, have been excited about the uh, Snyder Cut, so we wanted to definitely discuss and review that and figured the best thing to pair it with is probably the most horror superhero movie, maybe outside some of the anti-hero stuff with Venom, but uh, Darkman by uh, Sam Raimi yep. with uh, Liam Neeson, so I figured that would pair nicely, so we'll go over what we've been watching the last couple of weeks here and then kick it off with uh, the Snyder Cut followed by Darkman and a little bit of talk about the, uh, the sequels of the uh, trilogy there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's a good bridge because, uh, you know, uh, one is, was literally released in the last week. And I feel like Darkman uh, kind of doesn't get a lot of the credit that it deserves. Uh, I think it's overlooked uh, a lot of times. But, uh, you know, it's by one of the greats um, of the genre. Uh, and that's Sam Raimi, who's dabbled in horror, superhero, uh, a little bit of everything over the years, really. So, um 
it'll be really interesting to, I guess, dissect uh, a little bit of that film as well as get into uh, Justice League, the Snyder Cut. But uh, yeah, we're excited. Um, we are actually missing uh, a member of our normal trio today. Uh, James Cole Clay uh, is MIA. Um, as it is, uh, he's not missing. He's just, uh, he, uh, is dealing, uh, with some, with some issues at home. Uh, but, uh, he will be back, uh, in two weeks, I assume, but, uh, we wish him all well and we will try to pick up the slack as best as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think our next episode too, we're going to be doing, uh, Kong vs. Godzilla. So you won't want to miss that one. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, did you see uh, another pushback? Uh, you know, speaking of in the in in the superhero vein, um, we are actually getting more pushback uh, from Disney on uh, on the latest MCU slate of films. Uh, Black Widow was supposed to be released in May, and I was like, "Man, we're so close to May; uh, it's not going to get delayed again." But uh, man, today uh, news dropped that it's uh, moving to July, and it's going to simultaneously. Uh, premiere in theaters as well as on Disney Plus premiere. Um, and in my opinion, why didn't they just release it, you know, that way, like in the in the first place? Like, you know, they were trying to put off not releasing it on streaming uh, as long as possible, but then they ended up doing it anyway. I don't I don't really get that. Yeah, it seems like they obviously probably saw a lot of success with uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, and then obviously with WandaVision and the most recent uh, TV entry, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're obviously putting out big numbers there, so I wouldn't be surprised if they made more money from their fans dropping $30 on it plus the subscription to Disney Plus than theaters. So I'm curious about that, but we were talking about, so it bumped back to July 9th, and it took the uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings spot, but it looks like they moved that to September. So this is probably not going to end this way, but as of right now, it's slated to get an MCU movie in July, September, November, and December. So I um, imagine they're getting ready for at least one or two pushbacks of theirs to get to the more standard two or three films. So we'll see. Yeah. I think I saw like, you know, obviously they haven't uh, moved everything down the line uh, that's still in, in place, but if they were to go with what, they had right now, they would release six MCU films in eight months, uh, which I do not foresee happening. Uh, that's a little bit of overload, uh, <laughs> for even, even for hardcore MCU fans, that's a little bit of overload, but, uh, yeah, like one a month, you know, right? <laughs> Almost like a couple yeah, months off from, in between. Yeah. From like July to all the way to like March of next year, there's six movies on the slate, but, um, I'm pretty sure uh, things will get pushed back uh, eventually. So um, we'll just have to keep an eye on all that in the meantime. Well, hopefully July is the last one. I mean, the way everything's rolling out now, I feel like, you know, this summer should be pretty much back to normal, hopefully, obviously, for the most part. So we'll see about that. I know things are opening up here and just found out, I think, in Texas, they're going to open up vaccines to everyone um, the Monday after this releases. So we'll see. I'm excited to get back to theaters and get back to a little bit of normalcy after over a year. Just in time to see uh, Godzilla versus Kong in uh, IMAX. Yes, sir. IMAX 3D or, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually haven't seen like a huge, like big budget, like action film like that, like on a big, like either XD or IMAX screen. So um, I am going to be one of the first in line to see that uh, in a couple of weeks and I am pumped for it. 
And as for the last two weeks, I went on kind of like a binge. I don't know what it was, but I got a little bit of everything. I got a ton of movies from sales. I got a ton of Oscar winners uh, that I bought or that I had before, and then even mixing up with some documentaries. So I'll keep some of them short, um, but let's kick things off with some horror. Watched, uh, well, I don't even know if you can call this one horror, Curse of the Cat People, uh, follow up to the uh, Cat People from 1944. Literally just like the most, I don't know, I love the Cat People. I don't know if you've seen that or any of that and stuff, but this one, like the whole entire thing is just a, drama with no even fear action until like the last two minutes and even then there's not any cats or really anything going on so um <laughs> like i like cinema but was not the biggest fan of that one so so why do they call it like you know um revenge of the cat people if there were no cat people in it I don't, yeah yeah i don't this, understand this one's <laughs> the curse of the cat people and the uh the lead female character from the other one comes back as an imaginary friend from her after she wishes on a ring and wow and she talks to her and yeah it's uh, I, I don't really know but you can skip that one um another one you can probably skip but i got from the vinegar syndrome release was a uh, hitcher in the dark it's supposed to be um from Roberta Lindsay like a hitcher sequel before the sequel and it's about a rich uh hotel heir who drives in the family RV and picks up women and murders them and also gives them makeovers to look like his mom and rapes them. So definitely a freaking oddity and uh, nice. something that I would put in vinegar syndrome's alley, but the uh, slip cover was cool. So I, uh, I wanted to pick it up. <laughs> so I guess that one will be sitting on the shelf for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's uh that's one you kind of have to be in the mood for, <laughs> and even even then, you're kind of like, "Do I really want to be watching this?" Type, yeah, type just thing? yeah, just just pure schlock. Um, and then outside of horror, I guess there's one more horror adjacent kind of uh, promising young woman dropped on Blu-ray and on demand. I've been waiting to watch it. I didn't want to drop twenty dollars for the uh, premium VOD rental, which we're now seeing everywhere. Um, not too happy about that whole system, but. Um, waited out the extra three weeks and watched it and was blown away. Just crazy, disgusting, funny, uh, awesome movie that makes you think and feel like you're getting a gut punch the whole time. So um, I'm not going to give away a ton about that because the trailer kind of makes it look like you're going in one direction that you don't necessarily go in, but great cast and acting all around. Um, I was disappointed, though. I don't know if you watched The Crown or not. But there's the person who plays Camilla Bowles Parker, who is who the uh, Prince Philip or uh, maybe not Prince Philip. Yeah. The son of Prince Philip, sorry. Uh, Prince Charles is, is cheating on the whole time and she's actually the director of this. So she's been an actress and a ton of different things. And this is one of her. Um, I think it wasn't her first, but one of her first few direction debuts and was really good. So, uh, is this like your, your favorite of like the award season right now? Like, is it, is it, is it the front runner? No, not for me. For me, I think I saw, um, we we're going through the list of everything and I think we probably should do an Oscars either bonus episode or, or some kind of episode. But my favorite so far is the, uh, the sound of metal, um, on Amazon prime. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. Uh, the only ones I, I, I have seen that are kind of in the, uh, in the Oscar conversation right now are, uh, Nomadland, um, and, um, what else? Um, 
I am going completely blank right now. But uh, there was one other one I've only seen. But um, News of the World, News of the World, um, which I don't think is is in the best picture noms, but uh, it's it's getting a little bit of of, of buzz, I I guess for maybe Tom Hanks. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but, I saw, um, he, yeah, I saw that one. I just got that one uh, in for review uh, yesterday, and I need to watch it. But there's Trial of Chicago Seven. Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Nomadland, Minari, Mank, Judas and the Black Messiah, and The Father. Judas and the Black Messiah. That was it. That was it. I watched that um, um, a couple of weeks ago. That was great. Yeah, me too. Um, that was that was fantastic. Um, Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Lakeith Stanfield uh, give fantastic performances in that. And um, you know, it's uh, it's it's very timely as well. Um, uh-huh. You know, this past year has really kind of. Uh, opened it up to be, you know, where, you know, filmmakers can be really, uh, you know, risky, you know, in their, in their choices. And I feel like this film just kind of really uh, has come out at the right time, um, you know, and I, I feel like it, it, it really stands out among the rest just because of the performances themselves. But um, yeah, that was a fantastic film. Yeah. And then kind of leading into there, I have a best picture collection that I posted on my Instagram. I think I'm at about uh, 30 movies um, and I'm maybe seeing, seeing about 40, but I've been going through the ones that I own and haven't watched and picking up some that I haven't seen at all and need to catch up on in the collection. So I watched The Departed, The King's Speech, Rain Man. Uh, and the greatest show on earth just came in for a view from me from uh, Paramount Presents line. So um, kind of random. I mean, I think when you go back to some of the older ones, not saying that all the old ones are bad, but there's a few stuck in there that really get, you know, get shit on. And I think um, the King's speech got shit on a lot and I actually really enjoyed that one. So maybe it's because I'm into history, but that was better than I had heard things about rain man. I'd never seen before. So I have no idea how I'd never seen that one, but that was awesome. Tom, uh, Tom Cruise performance. And, um, but just kind of all over the place with that, because I'm watching those films that we mentioned and then mixing in there, you know, obviously we're going to talk about justice league, but I caught, uh, operation varsity blues college admission scandal just dropped on Netflix. It's about where the, rich families, you know, figure a side door entrance as they call it to get their kids into USC or Yale or Harvard. Um, and they actually have some, some main actors. I think Matthew Modine's in it playing the, um, the bad guy, (laughs) the guy who got everyone into trouble, but it's actually pretty good mixes, uh, real life characters with lots of kind of uh, recreations of of what happened using the, uh, wire, uh, tap transcripts. This was the uh, scandal that uh, um, Aunt Becky had to go to jail for, right? Yep, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. They don't use their characters as much, but it's crazy. They drop like everybody. It's like this guy runs a hedge fund. This guy is one of the most successful lawyers. This guy does, you know, everything, and it almost just became a a commodity he could sell. Is like you're rich, you're you know have status. Your kid needs to go to a status school, and they're not smart enough to get in. So let me pretend they, you know, row or sail or do crew or any of these things. So. that was a that was a pretty good doc, and then I caught the last blockbuster um, on Netflix, which is the funniest thing ever. Netflix releasing a movie about the last blockbuster to just get one last stab of the knife uh, in the Unreal. back there, but it, it was pretty good. I had it like a seven out of ten. It's it's total nostalgia. It makes you miss going into um, video rental stores so badly. Just 
you know, the smell, the, the videos, we talk about it all the time, just the experience, handling the disc, talking to people, getting recommendations. But, um, you know, some of it is, is they tread over the same thing multiple times and kind of uh, at the end of it slows down a bit, but it was really cool just to kind of see the progression. This lady, um, running her store in Bend, Oregon from when there was like five down to when they're the last one and they just renewed their contract and they had people flying in from Spain or driving from Florida or California just to visit this, this store. So, uh, it's become quite the, quite the commodity. (laughs) Did you know that Netflix had the opportunity uh, or, or no, um, um, excuse me. Blockbuster had the opportunity to purchase Netflix, uh, for, I think it was maybe around like 10 to $20 million. Um, yeah. They, in, they had in, it, they had in, it on in like, here in like, in like early 2000, like time. And, uh, and they refused because, uh, you know, uh, first of all, they thought that, you know, physical media was never going to die. Um, which it hasn't died, but you know, it's, it's definitely slowed down. But, um, and then, uh, you know, later I actually remember working, um, at a blockbuster, um, in one of my summers, uh, back from, uh, college and they had just launched, uh, their own kind of rival service called blockbuster now, uh, which they kind of rivaled, uh, Netflix a little bit and they, you know, and they were trying to get it off the ground. Um, but you know, unfortunately, Netflix beat them to the punch and uh, and then never looked back. So um, it it really is a shame that, you know, a a huge uh, just icon in the entertainment and just media industry, you know, like your blockbuster, uh, you know, like your Hollywood video, um, mm-hmm. all that just kind of got passed over, uh, you know, in the last decade or so. Um, I've always wanted to go visit uh, that last store in Bend, Oregon, and I uh, will definitely try one day. Yeah, uh, if I'm ever if I'm ever in the immediate like f- four to five to six hour vicinity uh, of Bend, Oregon, uh, I will definitely make a trip uh, s- specifically to there. Um, that's awesome to visit. So, uh, yeah, that's that's on the bucket list for sure. Yeah, they talked about it. They said it was actually cool. They had the uh, past CFO of Blockbuster on there, and they were kind of talking about that. It was fifty million. Uh, Netflix kind of went to Blockbuster saying they'd you know sell to them for fifty million, and they kind of laughed him out of the room. But uh, what they were talking about is something that they don't really you know mention in the news was that they were bought by Viacom uh, in '94, and then Viacom took over Paramount and they were pretty much talking about the fact that they were using the blockbuster model, um, to bring in cash flow to cover and service the huge amount of debt they had. So when Netflix was investing and buying and doing all kinds of these things, they were cash strapped and weren't able to do it and, and keep up at all. But just watching that, I forgot about, you know, you had the disc by mail for Netflix, um, for you old people like us uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to the podcast, but they also had it just on the computer, like before apps, like you'd log on to your computer and go to there and watch it only on there. And there was no way to watch it on your TV. I was just thinking about how weird that, that feels now, especially with like buffering where you like load it up and then have to come back to finish it. <laughs> well, no. And, and that's why I got turned off, uh, from Netflix for so long. Like I actually didn't even subscribe to Netflix. I think until about 2014, 2015, because, mm-hmm. you know, um, I had, I had been a customer, you know, of the, you know, of the disc mail, 
in and you know mail out program. Me too. And 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 it was fine, you know, until you found like you know a, a new release that you really wanted, and it had to wait weeks upon weeks to yeah. watch because it was always out of stock. And um, then Redbox came in too, where you'd like pick up the new releases from Redbox and then keep exactly. Your, yeah, exactly. But yeah, trying to watch uh, a Netflix uh, movie, you know on your laptop screen and and this was like old school laptop screens that like didn't even have like you know advanced like you know video quality you know and you're also having to buffer these films and a lot of times the quality was was terrible yep. um which i'm i'm a purist when it comes to like video quality like if it's not a good video quality uh i'll wait like i will i will outright wait to watch it because i want my viewing experience to be top notch. And that's why people who always talk about like, you know, pulling, you know, um, you know, illegal downloads from places like those always had the worst video quality. So I didn't want to have any part of it. Like I would rather, (laughs) I would rather pay money uh, to watch a film in high quality HD than pull a barely like 720p, um, you know, uh, version of the same film. So, um, I've always been that way. Always. Remember some of those guys used to like just straight up bring a video camera into the theater and record it. And you could get that the first way back in the day. It's like the cam version. I know a lot of people still may do that now. I had in, friends in high school, but like <laughs> I had friends that you could literally see people passing like in front of the screen, like they would watch that version and I was like, guys, no subtitles for, for no. people speaking another language. You're like, oh, well, I don't even know what the person said in Chinese or Russian or whatever. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. That's so terrible. Like, I, I don't want to have any part of that. No, I guess we're <laughs> but, in a different, uh, different place. But yeah, I'm with you. I'll yeah, go we really are. The better, better copy and quality. I think we talked about before. Some of us sometimes get screening links for movies, and sometimes they're shit quality, or they put your email address or your name like over the entire thing, and it's like I'd rather just pay six bucks and watch this in HD on my, you know, home theater or big TV than on my laptop with uh, with the pixelated one with my name all over it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that that's all I had, man. I know it's a ton, and we didn't really get into. Uh, you know, a lot of the movies, but Departed, I haven't seen since 06, and that was amazing. One of my few Man, five stars I, I gave out. We were talking about this off mic. Um, I think The Departed might be in my top 10 uh, of all time still. Um, God, just every every time I revisit that film, uh, I'm just awed, um, not only by just the absolute stellar cast it has, obviously, but man <laughs> being in the in the theater uh during that last kind of like 15 to 20 minutes uh of the film just uh you know kind of had my jaw uh on the floor because it just comes out of nowhere um and 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 honestly that's kind of 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 how the movie is like it's a it's a slow burn and it really does just kind of like leave you just kind of shocked uh you know because it goes one way the entire time, and then just yep. you know, in in the last fifteen to twenty minutes, it's it's just a complete bloodbath. Um, yeah, the cast and, too. I mean, having DiCaprio, yeah. Damon, Nicholson, Wahlberg, and then you know, even putting in there Martin Sheen's in there for a bit. They have Martin Sheen, Alec, Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic cast. It really yeah, is, and it's, you know, Nicholson. Uh, 
you know, Nicholson uh, definitely plays a, a great gang leader. Um, you know, I I kind of wish that he and, um, you know, Scorsese had, had actually, uh, you know, collaborated earlier in, in his career. Uh, yeah, me you know, too. I know that. I know that Scorsese, you know, went to De Niro and, you know, Pacino a lot, you know, back in the day. But uh, I really wish that uh, that Jack Nicholson had had kind of been in the mix as well, just because, you know, he doesn't make many films anymore, obviously. No. But, you know, when he does, uh, you know, he can still pull off, um, you know, a a great performance, even in his, even in his later years. For sure. Yep, definitely my top uh, I would probably say 25. I think on Letterbox it says I've rated 37 films five stars. So I'm very picky about what I give that final half star to. <laughs> I think I have like oh, maybe I a would... few hundred four and a halfs, but five star. It's it's that. It's Pulp Fiction. It's Jaws. You know, it's mm-hmm. very very few films um, make it to that yeah. level. So yeah, and that would definitely be one that I would put at, at five stars as well. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up mine. Uh, Cool. Uh, I do not have uh, near as uh, extensive a list as you um, outside of uh, watching the four hour just epic uh, that we had to watch uh, um, as well as a couple of other things. Uh, my my viewing schedule uh, was a little light uh, for the past two weeks, but I uh, will do the best with what I have. So um, I will uh, start off with uh, a couple horror centric titles. Um I uh, have kind of been going back uh, through the Alien series um, a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm too, uh, I, I just finished Alien 1, uh, Aliens, uh, and then Alien 3. So that's where I am right now. I uh, still have Resurrection and then like, uh, you know, Prometheus and uh, Alien Covenant to go after that. Yeah. And I haven't. And I haven't quite decided if I'm going to watch uh, the Alien versus Predator films. I, I, I don't think that's necessary for the no. Alien franchise, but, uh, you know, who knows? Um, but I'm not going to talk about those. But, um, I mean, obviously, you know, all of us, you know, genre hounds have, you know, seen Alien and Aliens uh, countless times uh, over the years. And, you know, they are... They are completely different films. Uh, you know, Alien is is pretty much a, a a straight horror film. You know, Ridley Scott. I I still think to this day made maybe one of the best like you know kind of unexpected kind of jumps uh, in history. Like when you don't see it coming. Uh, mm. You know when the you know when the chestburster comes out of John Hurt's uh, you know chest. Um, fucking insane man like i i remember watching that as a kid not knowing it was coming and like i think i had to turn it off for a minute just because i was like man do i really want to do this (laughs) type thing um definitely one of the most shocking uh just you know scenes i think in in film history but uh man it's i i honestly prefer alien to aliens um you know, I know Aliens, uh, you know, directed by, you know, James Cameron is, you know, much more of a, you know, action kind of, you know, space marine kind of epic, you know, style. It, it definitely still has horror elements, but definitely more uh, of a of a of a sci fi action film, you know, uh, more than a straight horror film. But uh, no, those two are excellent. Alien 3, um, you know, in the franchise is very divisive. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there has always been talk uh, about how David Fincher uh, has, uh, you know, completely disowned the film, uh, you know, after all these years, just because of like all the studio meddling, um, 
you know, by, by Fox. Um, and honestly, I was telling Max, um, off camera just before the, uh, you know, we started recording, it really doesn't feel like a David Fincher film, really. I mean, it definitely has elements of, of Fincher and, I can definitely appreciate some of the things that he was trying to bring to the story, but I mean, Alien Three is by far like the the bastard child yes. um, of the Alien series, and you either love it uh, or you absolutely hate it. So, um, which I'm I'm kind of in the more of the of the dislike camp, but uh, yeah, going through that. Uh, when was the uh, last time you watched the Alien series? Any it, of them? Um, I watch Alien more than more than cool. anything. It's like. Not at the top level for me, but like the second level of just kind of like comfort food movies that you just like throw on when you're bored or just wanting to watch something um, good. I mean, it sounds fucked up, but just like the cast, the camaraderie. Um, you know, Parker just uh, just died last this last month. I know, too. I know, I saw that. Um, but you know, just kind of the camaraderie they have at the beginning, and like you mentioned, just things just start slowly creeping, getting bad. Tension picks up. It's just such a you know movie that with every viewing experience doesn't, you know, digress, um, you know, water it down at all. It's like each time is just as good as the last, if not better, if you're catching on things, but alien three, yeah, I'm not really, um, or, or cubed or what do they get to the third power kind of how they have it there, but yeah. Alien, <laughs> alien to the third. power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, I didn't realize this, obviously, uh, you know, the older I got it and the more into film I got, but like Alien is such a claustrophobic film. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and you know, you kind of pick up on that, you know, later in life, you know, when you view it, uh, you know, more times, but like, I mean, those people have nowhere to go. Uh, they are stuck in the vastness of space uh, with the ultimate killing machine. And that, that design uh, of the xenomorph, even after all these years, is just... It's it's still frightening, um, you know the the uh, you know effects have have gotten more in the in the CGI level uh, in 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 recent films, but uh, that original film uh, in in Alien, I don't care. Like if you can tell sometimes where you know it's just a huge ass guy in a in a rubber suit, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's still fucking like effective um, as hell to me. What do you think about the new movies? Maybe you'll talk about those next time. But for me, I'm I think I'm in the um, camp that most people disagree with. But I like the new the new movies, uh, even Prometheus. Like I think that's so, better than anything outside of Alien or Aliens. So I actually dig Prometheus a lot. Um, I was actually a really big fan. Uh, you know, when I first saw it, uh, when it first came out, and I'll 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 still hold true. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people were expecting more uh, from it, but I kind of dug, you know, the the twisted mythology that it, it, you know, that it kind of wove, you know, throughout the Alien franchise, just as well as, you know, it 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 went in a new direction, and I don't think a lot of people like appreciated, uh, you know, the initial direction that it went, but you know. I kind of dug it. Like I kind of got vibes of, of that kind of old, old school alien crew, uh, yep. you know, from that, you know, from those, uh, you know, actors in the, in the film, you had like Idris Elba and, you know, Charlize Theron and, you know, and it didn't quite have the zing, you know, that the old movies had, but no. I, I appreciated it. I was not a fan of alien covenant. Um, I, uh, I found it, pretty derivative um and just didn't really take it uh in any type of like original direction that 
you know, I, I kind of dug, uh, I thought it was very kind of by the numbers. I think it retreaded a bit on, you know, Prometheus a bit and just, uh, yeah, I feel like it, 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 it could have been a lot better. I need really to rewatch that one because, you know, they have some, it's Danny McBride's in it and James Franco has a hilarious cameo where he burns to death. He's the captain. <laughs> of the of the ship he burns death in his cryopod but i have it on 4k and i haven't seen it since um i saw it in theaters and i saw it the second time like kind of late at night i feel like i need to give it another go because i remember just watching michael fassbender talk to himself for like 20 minutes and trying to figure out you know whatever he had uh, absconded with some of the stuff and he was trying to recreate it and he had started it all. Like you mentioned, kind of like total retread. And then the best part of it was when the um, ship from Prometheus popped back up again. But yeah, I need to, uh, to rewatch it and, and see how my yeah. opinions have changed. When, when Michael Fassbender slowly kind of low key started hitting on himself, mm-hmm. uh, I was, <laughs> that kind of took me out. Uh, a little bit, <laughs> but uh, that's a whole nother conversation entirely. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I actually haven't seen Alien Resurrection in probably a good ten to fifteen years. So I'm kind of interested to uh, revisit that as well, just because um, you know it's definitely not one of the uh, more well liked uh, of the films, but uh, has uh, an uncredited rewrite from Joss Whedon, uh, which you can definitely see in it. But uh, we'll talk about. Mr. Whedon more uh, in just a little bit, but um, yeah, overall, uh, you know, most of the alien films are are, are very watchable. But um, uh, the only other horror f- uh, centric film that I can talk about that I've watched recently, uh, I watched the original Prom Night um, about a week and a half ago. Nice, um, and you know that kind of um, is very much on the on the coattails, you know, of of Halloween. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, starred in it obviously, and you know, kind of capitalized on her star power, you know, from Halloween. And um, it doesn't have a ton going for it. Um, you know, I've 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 always thought that it was kind of uh, one of the weaker uh, kind of big '80s slasher titles, but I actually gave it a shot, and it 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 was okay. Um, you know, it it definitely has. Um, has some moments, uh, you know, especially, you know, kind of that last, uh, you know, several minutes of, uh, you know, being in that high school, uh, and that, you know, mass killer, you know, chasing, uh, a couple of people around and, and stuff like that. It was entertaining, but, uh, you know, definitely not one of my favorites from the eighties. Um, but, uh, I don't even know (laughs) what, 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 what drove me to watch it, but, uh, you know, I like that like pops up randomly or you're just like thinking about it. The, um, the remake of prom night from 2008 has like some of the worst reviews in the history of all time. Oh. But I think I saw it when I was a senior and like right around prom. So I actually like, liked it obviously just being, you know, 17 and idiot or 18, but, um, it, it is really bad. I revisited it. I think a few years back and it's pretty horrible. Fucking, fucking terrible. <laughs> like that, that might be, uh, on par with like some of the worst horror remakes, like of all time. Like it is, is absolutely terrible, uh, with zero redeeming qualities whatsoever. But, uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, I won't, I won't give that any more time, uh, than it, you know, than it deserves. Um, the last thing, uh, I will cover that's, uh, non horror centric, uh, me and my wife watched the entire, uh, first season of Ted Lasso, uh, on Apple TV. Um, 
and uh, I highly expected not to like this show, uh, but uh, I ended up really liking it. Um, it uh, it has a lot of heart, and it has a lot of uh, just really really likable characters. Like uh, you know, Jason Sudeikis uh, really nails it as as Ted Lasso, and and you know we we watched it after the Golden Globes because he won you know, the Golden Globe, you know, for best actor, uh, in a, in a comedy. And, and that's kind of what drove me to watch it just because I'd always heard reviews, just never kind of really given it a chance. And so after that, me and my wife were like, you know, we should probably give it a chance. You know, we, you know, we've always liked him, you know, we've always liked him as an actor, you know, we liked him when he was on SNL. Yep. Um, so we gave it a chance and, uh, we really, really enjoy the show. Um, I think we ran through the entire 10 episodes in like three or four days. So, um, fantastic. Yeah. I did something similar. Um, uh, I think I started it before, right before the golden globes. I think they were like promoting it on Apple plus and I randomly got Apple plus back. And I think we touched on it a little bit in a previous episode, but it sounds like the weirdest movie, like college football coach comes over to coach, you know, European soccer. So I think just the, plot can turn a lot of people away. Um, but like you mentioned, Jason Sudeikis, I feel like he does so well in it because he's literally, I feel like he's playing somewhat of himself. I could totally see him just yeah, being kind I of like a that. carefree, you know, optimistic guy that he is. And it's, it's to a fault in, in the uh, show where he's just losing, doing horrible at his new job. He's hired on there by um, the owner of the the soccer football club uh, to tank the team because she got it from her ex husband, and he actually ends up, you know, doing a doing a decent job and yeah, having some laughs and having some really fun storylines throughout the way. I love when he brought in the uh, the biscuits every morning <laughs> to his boss yeah. and had these stupid yeah. taglines. Just just really lighthearted, uh, a good comedy show. Yeah. And you know what? Like that kind of humor sometimes can come off as like really corny and really just kind of like kind of forced, uh, you know, emotionally and, you know, comedically. But, you know, the show actually does such a good job with kind of balancing it out with just just such likable characters and just really like, you know, genuine storylines. And and the comedy is there, too. And it's not like in your face. It's not any type of like you know, crass or, you know, gross out comedy. It's just a really good, you know, just genuine story. And, uh, you know, sometimes you need stuff like that to balance out, uh, you know, the rest of what you watch, which I, I kind of, you know, referred to that, uh, when I was watching it, but, uh, yeah, if you haven't watched it yet, uh, and you like, you know, stuff like that, um, I would definitely give it a watch Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, we went a little bit longer than I thought uh, <laughs> yeah. on the on the watch stuff for not having that much to to talk about. But uh, yeah, let's get into uh, the subject at hand. Um, we are going to first uh, get into uh, the Zack Snyder uh, cut of Justice League, and then we will talk about uh, Darkman uh, and very uh, quickly uh, some of the Darkman sequels. So. Um, you know, let's get right into it. Let's talk, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Snyder Cut of, of Justice League. I'm in the dark among the stars. The god is dead. I had a dream. Almost like a premonition. 
think there's an attack coming. My lord, this war will fall. I need warriors. I'm building an alliance to defend ourselves. How do you know your team's strong enough? If you can't bring down the charging bull, then don't wave the red cape at it. You were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, find out what that reason is. the age of heroes will never come again. It will. It has to. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty well documented just how, how far uh, this movie had to go to even get released. Um, you know, for, for, for all of you that don't know, uh, you know, Zack Snyder, you know, who has helmed... Um, you know, Batman v Superman, uh, and has been kind of the head, uh, of this kind of DC extended universe, uh, was right in the middle of making justice league. Um, he had a very, uh, just sudden family tragedy. Uh, his daughter, uh, passed away very suddenly. Um, so he had to leave production, uh, right in the middle, um, of, of filming justice league. Um, and a lot of people didn't even know if the film would even be able to get finished, but, um, Joss Whedon, uh, who we know from, you know, various things over the years, you know, notably, you know, Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron, Buffy, all that good stuff, uh, kind of stepped in and, and kind of filled in the pieces uh, of the film, uh, you know, the best that he could. Um, and then it, it was released in 2017 and it got completely shit on um, by not only critics, uh, but fans as well. Um you know, it was it was goofy. Uh, it was disjointed. Uh, it didn't feel like it lined up with any of you know the DC films that came before it. Uh, I mean, in other words, it was it was a mess. Um, yeah, it, it was uh... it was a real mess. And and I remember when I saw it in theaters, I was very disappointed. Very. They had. I think part of it is you know what Josh Whedon did part of it. It's probably studio meddling. I think the biggest thing is they wanted to catch up to MC, right? Marvel is putting out three movies a year that are all grossing $250 million. Um, yeah, I think at the time, uh, was one of the, maybe the third Avengers film was coming out or it just came out. And what they did is I was looking at the DCEU to kind of give some backstory on it, but they had man of steel, Batman V Superman, Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman leading up to this. Of the three, Suicide Squad bombed. Uh, Batman v Superman, not a lot of DC fans like, but it was, you know, okay. Man of Steel was kind of almost separate right. from that because it was three years ago and more of Superman's origin story. And I thought that was pretty good. But Wonder, Wonder Woman is pretty much the, you know, the best of the bunch there. And they led into Justice League. And instead of building up the universe like, 
Marvel did. They decided to try to throw in all of the characters at once with no backstory so they could kind of introduce them all. I don't know if the goal was to get spinoffs right away or what, but it's like they should just continue to develop origin stories like they followed up with Aquaman that was you know pretty decent and Shazam and uh, you know, other ones like that, but they just threw everything at once. So you got Cyborg, you got Flash, you got Aquaman with no backstory whatsoever and you know tried to fit it into a film where you're also meeting and fighting the biggest villain of the, you know, one of the biggest villains of the universe right away. Whereas, you know, Marvel had Thanos and he popped up and he came in and they had two full, you know, epic two and a half hour movies on it. They just wanted to jump the gun on everything. And I think that's what really, you know, you didn't get, you didn't get enough backstory on anyone. And what you did get was kind of shit. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Joss Whedon tried to insert, you know, his, you know, brand of, you know, comedy and, you know, it was, it was a really bright and, and, and colorful film. And that's not what we had gotten up until that point at all. Like Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad were all very kind of dark and, and drab movies. And, you know, it didn't really work for, for most of those films, but, you know, it, it kind of carried a trend that was kind of the opposite of, you know, the MCU, which was, you know, bright and comedic and just very, you know, out there that, you know, anyone had access to. And they kind of were going the opposite way to start, you know, kind of more in the, you know, Dark Knight, you know, vein, you know, that they had had such success with, you know, a decade before. But it just didn't quite work, you know, with this shared universe. And I mean, and you're right. Like, I think the upper... Uh, execs at at Warner Brothers freaked out because you know Marvel was completely just eating their lunch uh, film after film and they figured that they had to just throw it all together at once to try to save some face and it ended up blowing up in their face but um, yeah Justice League the first cut was not good at all Um, it uh, it it will always be the the lesser version of the two, but uh, so yeah, going into uh, you know the last couple of years, you know there was always rumor that Zack Snyder had you know made his own cut of the film, and you know even starting like three or four years ago, fans like demanded that you know the the hashtag release the Snyder cut you know yes. became like you know synonymous uh, with trying to get this movie released, and you know for for even like two or three years after the original film was released, Warner Brothers was like, you know, you're wasting your time. The Snyder Cut will never be released. Uh, it was too know. unfinished. It's like, yeah, it's not yeah. worth the, we're not yeah, going to reinvest unfinished. money. Yeah, we're not going to put any more money toward it. Zack Snyder doesn't have the time. Uh, and then out of the blue, uh, about a year ago, um, we got an, an announcement that it was finally coming to pass and that all the fans... Uh, and their efforts finally got it released. Uh, Warner Brothers was throwing $70 million uh, yes. towards the completion uh, of Zack Snyder's vision and just allowing him free reign and basically just handing him the reins and saying, you do whatever you want to do. Uh, and there was zero studio meddling after that. So Zack Snyder got to work, uh, did a bunch of reshoots uh, with some of the actors that were in the films, as well as cut together, you know, a lot of the footage that had been unused uh, in the original cut. And, you know, going into it, I had no 
idea what to expect. Uh, My expectations were very low uh, going into it just because of how bad the first version was. Uh, But then I saw the first trailer and and my interest definitely peaked a little bit. Uh, Definitely saw scenes that I hadn't seen before. Uh, Saw Jared Leto's Joker pop up again. Uh, Saw images of Darkseid that, you know, he was nowhere to be found in the, in the original cut. So uh, my interest definitely peaked uh, when the first trailers came out. Yeah, me too. And it's just for non, like, sorry for everyone who's uh, not comic book or superhero movie fans. You can, uh, you know, forward on a little bit here, but it was just crazy, right? Like they actually released this, they threw out this money. I think what was planned was it was going to be a six episode mini series. And then right. I think once they announced that all of their theatrical you know, releases where Warner brothers were heading to HBO max. They just kind of included it on there and released this, this four hour film. But I mean, the, the main storyline is kept the same to an extent, but we have new visual effects and new score, new editing. Like you mentioned, new material. The biggest joke of justice league was that, um, Superman, Henry Cavill was, uh, playing mission impossible fallout and he had a clause that he had to keep his mustache no matter what. So they had to CGI over his mustache as he was playing Superman. And I think he got to be involved in all the reshoots, at least the close up reshoots. So they were able to, um, yeah, get rid of that in that one. And that was just kind of the funniest thing ever that they actually happened in a movie this big to begin with. So that was a nice fix. And, you know, we can kind of get into the the differences and our thoughts on it. But, you know, the first thing that I want to kick off what pops up is Zack Snyder apparently is obsessed recently with four by three, uh, frame. So that's not your standard, you know, widescreen frame. It's more closer to what you would have on, um, you know, an old school tube TV and you turn it on, on your big screen or home theater, or wherever you're watching it. And instead of the black bars being at the top, they're at the sides and they're probably double the size. So you're getting a, you know, a smaller piece, but you can kind of see as the film goes on, it's, it's to help out with height because you're losing, um, you know, you're losing what you would see on the tops if you zoomed in on it. So they're able to do some cool things on the height shots. But overall, I wish it was, you know, full normal widescreen, especially with some of the big action scenes. But that's kind of the thing that kicks off the cut with uh, his kind of artistic direction and what a studio never would let anyone do if they were typically meddling in it. (laughs) Man, isn't it hilarious that like in the early version of like DVD and stuff that people absolutely hated widescreen because you know, we didn't have the TVs built for nope. widescreen, you know, back in the day, like we still had our, our very square, you know, tube TVs yep. and, and everyone was buying like full screen versions of films. And, you know, because if you didn't, you'd have these black bars, like basically cutting off half your screen. Uh, and then it's just, it's really funny how we've come kind of full circle, uh, you know, back to, you know, a, a, a four by three, uh, image and in, in kind of that full screen image. Uh, but honestly, I didn't, I didn't mind it at no. all. Like after, after like the first 10 or 15 minutes, I, I even forgot about it. Me too. Um, honestly, I didn't you know, think I would. After a while, uh, you know, it, it was a little striking when it first appeared, but I mean, honestly, after a while, um, I, I didn't even, I didn't even care. Um, but yeah, um, <coughs> uh, so, um, you know, definitely what I picked up like immediately, uh, you know, when I watched this film is that this is going to be way more uh, of a um, emotional journey 
you know, the original cut tried to make everything kind of fun loving and, you know, kind of action adventure, like, you know, kind of in the vein of, you know, Marvel and, and Avengers. Uh, this version was not going to be that this was going to be, um, a lot of character growth, a lot of introspective that we didn't get in the original cut. Uh, and that's what we got. And I feel like, uh, some of the characters that definitely benefited from that the most, uh, is uh, number one cyborg. Yes. Uh, I feel like cyborg was the most underutilized character in the original, uh, version. He didn't get flushed out at all. We kind of just, no. He, he he just kind of got thrown into the mix from the beginning and we just kind of were there to kind of pick up of, you know, who this person is and why he, he is the way he yeah. is. You were like guessing. And I think the only tie was that his dad ran the lab where Superman ship was, where that kind of kicked off, you know, the reincarnation of Superman. So it almost just tied into it that way. And it was just like a small side story of a character who's on the poster and should be, you know, fleshed out at least a little bit. <laughs> exactly. And like honestly, I didn't I didn't care for his character at all. Like in the original version, I did not care for his character. I thought he was just kind of inserted uh, you know, into that film when like, you know, I was hoping that maybe someone else like another character would be involved like uh, you know, a a green lantern or yeah. uh, you know, someone like that that had a little bit more uh, you know, name power. But uh, you know, in in Snyder's cut, uh you know, we get, uh, his backstory, uh, how he became a cyborg, uh, you know, his relationship with, uh, his father, uh, just a lot of things that were left on the cutting room floor that really benefited the character. And Ray Fisher, I think in the, in the new version does a, a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of threw away his character in the original version and was like, I don't really care to see his, his, his character again, but now like, I kind of wish that, you know, we would get more from him. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that he could carry like a solo, like cyborg movie. I feel like that's a little, um, well, yeah. you know, premature, uh, but. especially now after the Snyder cut, cause you could pull out a full cyborg movie just from this movie. Right. Like exactly. if you would piece together all of his cuts, that would have made an awesome, you know, uh, kind of origin story, but that's gone. I think you're right. He'd have to be kind of paired up with someone, but like they dove into his technology more like the college football stuff they added in there was awesome. The, um, all like he literally was like the best strongest character outside of Superman almost. I mean like yeah. how he can fight, how he has the extra arms, how he can hack into anything, change anything, doing, you know, like how he can manipulate technology just by thinking about it was, was uh, definitely crazy, and he was uh, a welcome, uh, like you mentioned, addition to the the cut and his extra scenes that he got that turned his character around. Yeah, absolutely. And the other character uh, that also uh, had a very much needed uh, do over uh, was Ezra Miller's The Flash. Um, you know, in the original uh, cut of, of of Whedon's film. Uh, the Flash was really and truly only like there for comic relief. Yes, uh, he was he was there for all of the stupid one liners. Like he, you know, just kind of broke the ice. You know, when things were just getting serious. Um, you know, and like I said, that works in a lot of superhero films, but like with this continuity in this DC universe, it just doesn't fit, in my opinion. And um, you know, Ezra Miller is is great in that character. Like he, he, he really brings like a fun, like, you know, just 
perky vibe, you know, to to Barry Allen. Um, but he was strictly just comic relief, and he didn't even get like a big moment, uh, you know, like a touching the sword. Moment. I think was his biggest moment, right, where he knocked the touching sword the sword back to her that she would have caught anyways. Yeah, and like in the final battle, he was relegated to like saving like civilians, which, yep. like you know, the Flash is such an awesome like DC character. Like it, it's it's just a shame that he was relegated to like you know kind of a a you know, sidekick almost like in the background when like all the big guys were kind of getting in there and and getting physical. And I'm not going to share like any, any major spoilers of the story, but like he is absolutely integral uh, to the story in the, in the Snyder cut. Like he is, he is very important and uh, uh, he, he might be the MVP of the film. (laughs) Yeah, really. he gets his uh, backstory fleshed out. He gets some, you know, cool scenes of of doing what he does. I think like the only thing you hear about him in the initial cut is Batman and um, um, you know uh, him talking about it with either uh, Wonder Woman or whatever that he's trying to find him. That he had a photo from when you know he disappeared from a frame at a convenience store, and then he shows up yeah. at his thing. But where this one, you literally, I think it's like twenty minutes you get of. Like him and his backstory before he even gets to his hangout where he finds Bruce Wayne there, and they're able to kind of keep some of that comedic relief, which was like you mentioned, which is good, um, but just kind of build out the character to be more than just a, just a laugh. And like you mentioned, I mean, some great scenes with him, you know, saving people and restarting things and running around, and yeah, like you mentioned, being an integral character and how you could actually like slow down time, what that can do. Yeah, exactly. Um, Definitely, like, want to see, like, you know, I think there's still a plan to have, like, his own kind of Flash film. And I think yeah. the plan is is to is to try to do Flashpoint, uh, which is the comic story where basically everything gets reset. And I think that's kind of where uh, Warner Brothers and DC are heading, maybe, so they can kind of reset the entire DC universe yeah. from that like movie. Suicide Squad, Flash, Aquaman 2, Shazam, and Black Adam on the on the docket. I think, didn't they say cyborgs going to come into, into the flash too, or was it uh, man or was it Batman played by uh, Ben Affleck still? I can't remember, man. I, I think it's Batman because like, I don't really know what's going on with like Ray Fisher and the whole cyborg Saba, you know, because you know, he bad talked, uh, yes. you know, Joss Whedon and a lot of Warner brother executives. And <laughs> apparently he said that he doesn't ever want to play that character again. Um, I'm hoping bad. that he changes, I'm I'm really hoping that he changes his mind because like you know I'm a I'm a fan after viewing this version but um, yeah it'll be really interesting to see like what the future holds for for all that but um, the biggest thing in this film that I think gets resolved uh, is the villain problem that we had uh-huh. uh, with the original uh, in the original version uh, Steppenwolf. Uh, who is still the villain in this film? Uh, God, he was terrible in yeah. in 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 Josh Whedon's version. He was a- zero backstory. Just pops up to get the mother, um, the mother boxes, and just he has this thing where he beams in and beams out, and that's it. And there's no like stakes. He overpowers everyone. There's there's no shot, and the way it's resolved is trash too. No, and and that's another thing. Like the original film didn't. It had zero stakes. Like 
in this film, I could actually feel like, you know, what was at stake and like what was going and like he's much more intimidating like in this film, like not only in his design, but just like, I mean, everything from like how he talks to like how he does like in battle, like versus the Amazons and like the Atlanteans, Uh, you know, it's it's just a completely different villain and like so much better uh, yeah. than he originally was. Like he just looks scarier. He looks more physically intimidating. Um, you know, I think they kind of deepened his voice a little bit just uh-huh. to make him, you know, a little more scary. Um, and he's in more scenes too. Like he's in more scenes, like he's communicating, you know, with dark side. Like he actually, yep. like we actually get more insight into like what the mother boxes are and yeah. like why they're there which were completely absent uh, in the original film as well. He was just going I mean, so, to get them to destroy the world and he'd been, you know, cast aside and that's all we had. So it was yeah. nice to get that backstory. Yeah, it was, it was great. And like, I, I dug his villain too. Like I, <laughs> and I thought his villain, like, you know, portrayal was like um, irredeemable after, after the first film. But uh, you know, I was, I was pleasantly wrong about that. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Darkseid was a cool role to it. He's DC's Thanos, totally. He's right. this leader. He, you know, destroyed hundreds of thousands of words to get the, uh, whatever the, I can't remember the exact terminology about the, uh, the death, the death the, code. The, the, the anti-life the equation. The anti-life equation. And, and that's yeah. a cool thing. And it's, he's communicating with them. He's saying, hey, once I have things taken care of here, you can come down. I'll get redeemed. He's this you know super imposing character. And it was really cool addition to it. And I think the thing that most people, when they're finishing the uh, beginning of the regular portion of this film, are like, fuck, I just want to see Justice League 2, where Darkseid comes to town and has to you know take on take on the justice league. He's a perfect Thanos replacement for them to kind of have build a, like a full, you know, they don't have phases necessarily, but build a phase around. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like all the, all the extra scenes, like with, you know, with dark side and, you know, all the, you know, I know that this movie does have, um, um, a few criticisms and it's not perfect by any means, no. like, uh, at all, but you know, it's, it's very long. Uh, you know, it's, it's four hours long and I know that'll turn a lot of people off, um, initially just because like a lot of people don't have four hours to sit, uh, and watch a movie. Um, but, uh, you know, it really doesn't waste a lot of, a lot of time. Uh, you know, there's really not a lot of filler and there's really not like, you know, any wasted moments. So it it really does flow really well. I feel like and I feel like if you don't want to watch it all in one sitting, like the chapters that, you know, it kind of presents um, are are really good. You know, if you want to watch it in in phases or parts or half and half or, you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's what I did. Uh, I watched because um, I have a home theater that's really loud, so I can't watch it there like uh, when the kids are sleeping if I want to like fully enjoy it. So I watched the first half and then I watched an hour and then I caught the the finale in the uh, in the home theater again. So I watched it in three kind of separated sittings within within 24 hours. But um, I don't know how far you want to get into it, but the uh, prologue, I was not a fan of at all. I think that was the low point for the uh, the film and could have cut off. I think it was with the credits, like 30 minutes there that they, uh, that they you mean, um You mean the epilogue? Oh, yeah. Sorry, epilogue. Y- yeah, yeah. 
I, I actually was going to uh, mention that as well. Uh, I completely agree with you. That, that, that was the weak part of the film. Um, and, uh, you know, I was really interested to see Jared Leto's Joker back in the mix. Um, <laughs> I'm still not a fan. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, no, especially with no setup. Or like, I mean, this isn't really to be spoiler for people because I think it's common knowledge for anyone no, who's kind of saw no, the preview. I mean, but there's this kind of nightmare Batman, nightmare Joker, where you know they're kind of an alternate or, or future universe, and he's with them, and they have a scene in the trailer, and it's much better than Suicide Squad, Jerry Letter Joker, but sure. he's he's kind of it seems like copying in on, you know, a, a little bit of um, Heath Ledger's bit and then kind of doing his own thing and then maybe even doing some of like the Gotham series Joker or past Joker with the laughs. But I mean, he's just in a quick scene too. So I think they just use that to maybe get some more eyes on the movie and that's why they, they kept it in there. But yeah, that was a uh, pretty kind of poor for, for where it was in the scene and, how unnecessary it was to the film of setting up a future movie. That's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I really appreciated the film up until that point. Like it didn't really feel like anything was like shoehorned in like, you know, or like kind of tacked on, but then that totally felt, uh, very, very like shoehorned in, you know? Oh gosh. Uh, Lex Luthor with uh, Deathstroke. <laughs> Well, well, that film was at the end of the credits in the original, so like, yeah, that's true. You know, the- and and I and I get that Snyder kind of wanted to, you know, flesh out like where do we go from here and like where you know eventual films would have taken us, but since we're never probably going to get those films, like I kind of don't get why he felt the need to dive into like you know Deathstroke and Luther and the Joker and and all that like. I felt like it kind of got wrapped up pretty well to where, you know, maybe one tease would have been fine. Like, you know, with I'm not, I almost said the character's name, but I'm not going to, you know, do any spoilers. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, there's um, three full like 10 minute teases that, that yeah. they just stack on top of each other. Like at least throw one of them in the credits as a post credit or mid credit scene. And you could have, you know kind of completed it there and not had to be part of the chapters because it kind of takes you down from where you finish on here, which is a way better finale. You know, you have some really cool scenes with all the characters in it and it just works a lot better. And then you're like, Oh, all right, here's like 25 more minutes of random shit that has nothing to do with the movie. That's like maybe scenes you cared about that couldn't, you know, fit in properly, but total shoehorns in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple of other things, um, you know, it really pisses me off because, uh, you know, after watching Wonder Woman uh, 1984, that kind of like left a really bad taste in my mouth for the character. But then this film brought that badass version of the character oh that, my gosh. you know, that we love so much and really gave her like room to grow. Like even when she was, sh- you know, sharing the screen with like five or six other heroes, like she still had ways to shine yeah. and it it really ticks me off of how she was like portrayed in Dude. in 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 84 like seeing this after that is such a uh, my wife doesn't watch any superhero movies watched Wonder Woman 84 watched this specifically the bank scene and i'm like what the fuck she's like superman she's the best she's the yeah. most badass villain besides superman clang the the gauntlets together 
blow people back, block every single bullet, you know, immediately take down people with super speed. And in the other movie, the beginning of the movie is take her powers away and have her be in a drama for an hour and then never even get the powers back to be able to properly fight. It's like, how are you going to do that, man? It's like, she's such a cool character with all of, all of her, uh, you know, the sword and lasso and shield, everything, man. Just seeing this was in the same way. It just pissed me off how they ruined her in 84. (laughs) Yeah. And and I really hope that she can get redeemed, um, you know, in a in another movie, um, because I would hate to see eighty four be like her kind of last, uh, you know, performance, you know, quote unquote. But uh, she's the perfect um, woman, man. Yeah, she really is. She really is. Um, you know, Batman and 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 Superman, like you know, I feel like their characters, you know, kind of more or less stayed the same. Um, you know, from from version to version. Um, you know, Batman was less quippy, uh, you know, and I'm still not a crazy fan of Affleck's Batman. Um, but I mean, I guess if, if, if there was a version of him to watch, it was in this film. Uh, and, 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 and and he did decent in, in this cut. He definitely grew more than Superman. I felt, I think Superman was probably the least adjusted character based on just him coming back with, you know, only 40 minutes left or whatever to, to have anything done. But yeah, Ben Affleck added kind of, uh, you know, some more, you know, sides to him. And like you mentioned, not just like the rich quippy douchebag trying to pull everyone together where he had some, you know, some moments in there, but, um, yeah, I'm with you still not sold on, on him as the, uh, the best Batman you could, you could put out there. Well, I don't think we're going to be seeing him anymore just because he's I, – I, I think he's already sworn up and down and he's not going to be in anymore. Maybe like uh, like a short cameo like in the Flash movie, but I think uh, I think his, his time as, as that older kind of grizzled Batman might be at an end. But, yep. um, but uh, I guess a few other things like, you know, Zack Snyder's visuals are, are definitely brought back kind of front and center like – he loves those slow motion shots, um, <laughs> you know, especially, uh, you know, in the scenes like, you know, with the flash, like yes. trying to save people or, you know, trying to, you know, <coughs> you know, trying to run fast to, you know, generate, you know, something here and there. But uh, there's that. And, you know, uh, he loves his his swelling, you know, musical scores, you know, when something like emotional or like you know, painstaking, you know, is about to happen. You know, he's always known for that. Like, you know, going all the way back to like, you know, Watchmen and, you know, 300 and stuff like that. You know, he definitely has that visual trait that, you know, I feel like it, it, it definitely serves his film a lot better than Whedon's uh, style did. Like Whedon definitely brought out like the bright colors and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, it just didn't fit, uh, you know, with those characters in this film. What I think Elfman was in the Whedon one who they put over um, Tom Holkenberg, who Junkie XL, who originally scored it. So he was able to kind of rescore the um, the entire film, like we mentioned, where you kind of get full, um, not like the original soundtrack score, but kind of the uh, the other songs in there, like how they played those and swapped those out with some moments that weren't as big or kind of bring more attention to. And that's one of the definitely biggest things, like you mentioned, besides visuals and his style was it was total overhaul of the score and um and music used in the film yeah exactly um but overall um you know i don't really have much else to say about it other than like it is 110 percent the superior version yeah. uh, if you ever if you ever had a question 
of whether it would be better than the original version. Uh, it is hands down um, better than the original. Um, it's very long. Uh, you know, it uh, it's not going to be for everybody. It 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 definitely you know, if you don't like <coughs> you know big long epics, uh, you know of this caliber, like you know, I don't think it's for you, but if you appreciate those characters and want to see, you know, what the original director's vision was, um, I definitely think you should give it a watch. And, and I definitely think you should give it a chance because I mean, even if you hated the original, like I did, um, you know, this film definitely patched up, uh, a lot of the issues and problems that were made. Uh, and it's really a shame that, that we'll probably never, uh, get any type of, of, you know, continuation of these characters and of the story, because I'm really intrigued now. And you know, really wanted to see where it, it went, but um, unfortunately, we'll we'll probably never get it. No, nope. yeah, I mean uh, that definitely sums it up well. And I think you know, for you, those of you who haven't watched it, check it out. Like Tyler, like you mentioned, I mean, it was going to be a mini series, so if you want to break it into six parts, great. Two parts, three parts, whatever you want. But um, however you watch it, definitely better viewing than a lot of uh, you know other stuff that you're going to catch on on streaming services. So would recommend that like you mentioned for fans or uh non-fans of the uh, the previous releases yeah all right you're ready to move uh into some new territory to some uh an, an old cult classic is is what i like to refer to it as <laughs> yes I, I don't think there's anything like dark man man uh no there's really not it's wild it's it's sam raimi's you know baby it's hilarious because it kind of leads up to i mean not right away after but um him wanting to dive into the superhero world and not be able to get one of the big names him doing this and then being able to come around and uh, eventually do spider-man and which is nothing like this is is, is definitely an interesting journey um dark man it's like i was texting you guys about it it's like a Frankenstein, Phantom of the Opera, uh, you know, maybe even a couple other uh, creatures or universal monsters in there mixed together as an anti-hero, like the story that they have and, and how they, they put things together. It's just an oddity and it's cool because it's unlike anything else that, you know, you've ever seen or ever going to see in this space. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Darkman is, is really interesting. And in just the fact that like it came out, you know, uh, one year after, uh, you know, the original Batman uh, was released. And a lot of people saying that it was trying to, you know, capitalize on on that popularity. But I really do think that Raimi was really trying to do something like very original. And, you know, he didn't take a, any any property that, you know, was was already like established. I mean, this was his original vision. And, you know, he really ran with it. And he really, you know, created uh, a, a pretty good legacy. And I'm really shocked that like you know that the character of dark man hasn't endured more over the years um you know just because like you know it's such a good story and it's such a good portrayal um i really wish like we would get like some type of like new updated dark man i think that would be i think that would be fantastic but um but yeah um i think ramey originally wanted to do uh some type of batman movie yeah uh i think he was looking into maybe doing like the shadow which <laughs> me and you talked about uh they did a couple of years later with alec baldwin uh in the lead role which 
it's it's not a good uh superhero film as as most superhero films in the in the mid 90s were but uh yeah Raimi kind of uh took a uh his own original creation and just kind of made it into his own kind of anti-hero uh tragic hero uh you know kind of you know uh superhero film and uh you know, has a has a great cast too. Yeah, has a has a wonderful cast. Yeah, unexpected for sure, um, and I think also maybe we talked about it at the end of last episode or uh, off mic, but uh, Tony Gardner uh, does the special effects and prosthetics, and especially at the end of it, um, where you get Dark Man without you know the the bandages is is top notch. It is funny seeing uh, Francis McDormand in a role like this that's totally you know not her style or, or where she would go before or after this but it is uh you know it's fun to see it's like it's what you do when you catch these movies from the um 80s or early 90s and you see a character that became a star became a you know a top top actor <laughs> yeah for sure um so to get into the story a little bit um so um Liam Neeson uh and actually one of his kind of first kind of starring roles uh you know, I don't think he had really ever been like a household name, um, you know, until that point. Uh, he plays a scientist uh, who kind of specializes in kind of, uh, you know, unique prosthetics, uh, people who have had like injuries, skin injuries, burns, um, you know, kind of creating like, uh, you know, this skin that kind of, you know, kind of save burn victims and people who have been injured. Uh, and he's dating this girlfriend uh, who is played by Francis McDormand, who, uh, is kind of a journalist and um, attorney who's kind of digging a little too deep uh, into certain aspects uh, of the underworld um, where they live. And uh, eventually, uh, poor Liam Neeson's uh, character uh, gets caught in the crossfire uh, and just gets completely like disemboweled, uh, burned, exploded, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and eventually just kind of gets... Just, you know, gets left for dead uh, by this criminal group uh, led by Larry Drake, uh, who plays a character called Robert Durant, uh, who's just a fucking psychopath um, in this film. Uh, but eventually uh, we find out that Liam Neeson's character survived. Uh, he is just scarred all over his body, uh, but he's going uh, to... Uh, kind of take on the mantle of Darkman uh, to take revenge on everyone uh, who kind of, uh, you know, disfigured him and who's after his girlfriend. So, um, you know, Liam Neeson's, uh, you know, it, it's it's a really sad performance, man. Like he, uh, he really just makes you feel for him with just how, uh, how low he goes, um, you know, especially when he's all alone in that warehouse and just, can't even look at himself uh, in the mirror after after he's completely disfigured. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it is an odd one. Like I mentioned, kind of the the universal characters is kind of how you feel for him. It's a it's a guy who, by no fault of his own, ends up the way he is. Um, you know, he didn't really even do anything wrong. He just didn't want to get no. his research up. They're looking for a memo that would incriminate them. Um, I do kind of like the backstory they used to where the superhuman abilities come. It's like he's in a burn center. He's strapped up. They're like, yeah, we got him strapped down, but because we're how he cured his injuries, now he's got super strength and he uh, can't um, feel pain 
but not being able to feel pain, it makes him, you know, uh, borderline, you know, psychotic or have like, you know, crazy episodes. So it all kind of goes into this character who, once he, you know, awakens is off to where's my girlfriend, see her is worried about the shape of his face. Maybe I'm going to take back on the, the helm of being able to get some makeup done or uh, gets prosthetics done and allow skin to last past the dreaded 90 minute mark so I can keep it on. But, um, and then also take down the criminal enterprise ring that, that caused him um, the issues. But there's just so many, like you mentioned, cult classic scenes I have on my background. Now the one from the carnival where he's uh, <laughs> puts on his face of himself that he, that he uses from a photo and right. is, you know, having a day out there and gets pissed at a carny who's trying to screw him over. And just, they use like this spinny camera and these effects and this movie for better or worse utilizes the shit out of green screens for pretty much everything. And sometimes it's awesome. And sometimes it's kind of hokey and corny, but I think the scenes where he goes kind of mental are, are some of the best. Yeah. That, that film that you're talking about where all he wants is the fucking pink elephant. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it almost has like a very like psychedelic type of like, um, effect where you can just feel like his anger just completely just yes. about to explode and like uh, I think he ends up breaking the poor Carney's like like arm or something yeah, his just fingers this, he breaks it <laughs> like, just to get a fucking pink elephant but uh, yeah um, but I I think uh, for for Liam Neeson's character that makeup you know that you were talking about earlier it still holds up after all these years like especially like when you show like his exposed face, like, well, like his teeth are like, like almost hanging out of his cheek. Like, yes. uh, you know, the, the severe burns, uh, that he had really like, uh, you know, even, even stand out, um, you know, um, you know, even years later. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a unique movie. And like you mentioned, just kind of the storyline itself is not very superhero like with, um, the villains, there's some great late 80s, early 90s uh, action scenes, the guys with machine guns, and one guy with long hair, he like crouches down to shoot his machine gun, how he does it. It's so kind of hokey and corny, but um, it's a... Uh, it's definitely fun to revisit whether you you know have seen it or not or liked it or not. Uh, I watched it on the uh, Scream Factory disc that I have and um, has some some cool interviews and, and features on there. But just to, I think the finale on this one where he's hanging on the helicopter just flying through the city is is just great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Larry Drake uh, kind of plays the villain uh, in this film. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely chews the scenes, uh, really well as, as Robert Durant. And it's crazy because he's not kind of the main villain of the story, like some other guy is, but the other guy is so like, you know, um, you know, forgettable and not very, uh, you know, he's, he's really not even in, in the movie that much. Uh, but, but he's the reason, you know, for, why his office uh, or his lab gets raided and he has a funny scene where he has like the coolest penthouse and he opens it up to see their construction, which their whole deal is based on like mob construction, <laughs> trying to uh, take over this area and, and get something built. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then Francis McDormand, as we mentioned, plays his love interest. It's, it's really weird to see Francis McDormand after all kind of the, 
the quirky and kind of, uh, you know, really, you know, relatable and real characters she's played over the years kind of play a, a, a heroine, uh, you know, that needs to be saved. Yep. Um, you know, definitely, uh, a different role, uh, for her in, in, in her kind of early days, but I think she does a good job as well as kind of playing that, you know, sympathetic girlfriend to him and just trying to, you know, keep him from falling off the ledge, uh, just of his, uh, insanity, uh, really um you know she does a good job of kind of holding him up and you know just kind of being there for him <laughs> she does i saw uh, in the notes when i was looking through it was either on imdb or wikipedia that Raimi wanted uh, bruce campbell to play dark man but the studio didn't want to um they didn't think he could carry the role so i love the um kind of cameo he has at the end of it where he puts on a new face to to blend in and it's bruce campbell so that was fun yeah exactly and uh, you know, and, and while the makeup kind of does, uh, you know, stand the test of time, a lot of the special effects don't, um, a lot of the, you know, him kind of going crazy and kind of the, uh, where he gets thrown from the warehouse. <laughs> yes. It, it, it kind of has that, it, it's the same shot that, uh, I think it was Die Hard 2 that used like when John McClane got like blown, like way up like you know from an airplane that was exploding it's just kind of that really unrealistic looking yep. uh you know kind of flying human you know through the air type thing um but uh a lot of it does work like you know when he kind of portrays other people or you know tries to act like he's he's uh you know durant you know trying to give orders you know yep. to the all the thugs uh you know those those parts are are, are really fun um and uh it's just uh it's it's a movie that just it's it's unlike anything else man like it 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 really is like one of the best original uh kind of movies like this you know that i've ever seen really yeah i'd definitely be up for a reboot it'd be fun to one to to mess around with where you don't need a ton of budget where you can kind of utilize something where it's just someone who you know can wear disguises mission impossible in a way you know but with superhuman um, abilities and wanting to uh, to enact revenge or, or keep the uh, streets free of crime. Yeah, I mean it, it. It really is a great story. Like it. It blends like elements of like Batman. Like when I first heard like the credits, I actually thought to myself, "This sounds really a lot like you know the 1989 Batman soundtrack." And then I saw Danny Elfman's name pop up. Yep. And I was like, "Oh, well that that makes total sense." Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it 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 definitely has the same vibe as as that 1989 Batman and, you know, Batman returns, um, you know, which I kind of dig because it, it definitely feels more, more comic book, uh, you know, than, uh, a lot of other films that have been released in, in recent years. But, uh, you know, it, um, you know, Sam Raimi has done just so many weird, you know, projects over the years. And I, and I feel like this one just kind of gets overlooked. Yeah. Um, you know, for one reason or another, uh, it's definitely not one of his more well-known films. And, and that's really a shame because it really does last. Uh, and it really is just a, a fun little, uh, you know, kind of horror, uh, you know, uh, grotesque kind of anti-hero that, uh, that really just kind of, you know, takes it and just, and just kind of runs with it. And, uh, and I've always appreciated it. And like in any 90s movie, it um, has direct-to-video sequels. And funny enough, I think it we does. talked about it off mic. Um, the third one was – what is it? The third one was released before the second one or something like no, along those the, lines? 
The third one was filmed before the second one and meant to be released as the second, but yep. for some reason it got held up and then they actually filmed the second one uh, and ended up releasing it. Okay. They released the second one uh, first uh, that was meant to be the third. So uh, if you're ever kind of watching it and kind of wanted to watch it in the original order, watch uh, Darkman 3, Die, Darkman, Die, and then watch uh, Darkman 2, uh, The Return of Durant. Um, so I watched two uh, in the last week and you know, it's definitely not on the same level, definitely not the same quality. Uh, you know, you can definitely tell the, you know, direct to video, uh, budget. Um, and then it always hurts, you know, when you can't get your main star back because, um, you know, Liam Neeson bowed out as, as dark man, uh, after one movie and, uh, Arnold Vosloo, uh, who most people, uh, know uh as the mummy uh yes. from the brendan Fraser mummy films uh-huh. uh that's where you know he's kind of most well known but uh he tries to fill in uh as peyton westlake uh aka dark man and he definitely doesn't hold the same screen presence uh no as, it almost seems like a Liam different Nason. character yeah or like exactly. you know just like a, a reboot of the story but we do get like you mentioned um Larry Drake continues his role. Um, the title is The Return of Durant. Um, so it's cool to kind of see him in it. It's it's kind of odd because he blows up in a helicopter in the first one. And on this one, yeah. he's awakened from a coma. and his He doesn't have a single scar or burn or anything on him nope. at all. But his henchmen have kind of taken over and turned the city into shit, and he's ready to get some, uh, you know, I don't even know how to say it. Like, he wants to upgrade the weapon game, so he tries to acquire a uh, facility that has a ton of power so he can get some unique weapons or uh, guns. It's almost like, how do you even explain those? Like, futuristic, like, laser guns or particle weapons? I don't know how they... Yeah, it's a it's a really weird plot, and I almost kind of wish that they had just kind of uh, you know, continued kind of what Larry Drake's character in the in the first one did and just kind of be like an underling kind of, you know, mob boss type and yep. just kind of be really ruthless and just kind of go after people and not deal with, you know, kind of the corny and hokey kind of uh, futuristic weapon <laughs> plot line that it went to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Larry Drake is still entertaining as hell. And if, if he hadn't been in that role, you know, the second one would have been a complete waste. Um, but you know, Larry Drake, uh, definitely plays a great villain. Um, if you've never seen, um, Dr. Giggles with him in it, you have to watch Dr. Giggles, um, has the most, uh, killing doctor puns, like medical puns. I don't think I've seen my life. It's been been on my list. I've seen the, the poster everywhere and his eyes are definitely recognizable from this, but I haven't seen that. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun, but, uh, yeah, uh, Darkman Two is is definitely um, you know the the superior sequel. I would say um, <laughs> I, I made it halfway through it, and then uh, you know it wasn't that good, so I didn't finish it. <laughs> yeah, um, and then I didn't watch uh, Darkman Three um, again. Uh, you know, just because one, I ran out of time uh, this week, and two, I just. I don't really remember it as well as being very good um, just because none of the original people are, are, are back in it. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Fahey uh, kind of picks up the main villain, um, you know, of the, of the film. Um, and, you know, he's, he's okay. Um, he's, 
he's not Larry Drake uh, at all. But, uh, you know, Darkman 3, um, you know, you could definitely do worse, you know, with a straight to video uh, sequel. But, you know, I still wouldn't like pay money to see it either. So, um, you know, all these films uh, actually got pretty good Shot Factory releases uh, on Blu-ray in the last couple of years. So if you want to uh, check them out, uh, you know, they all have pretty, you know, pretty good releases as well. Yeah, yeah, the do the trilogy. I just have the first one on there, and I'm glad that's uh, that's where I stop. But if you're a diehard or enjoy the movies or trying to do a blind buy, then you could do worse. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But um, you know, I guess in closing, uh, I guess I'll say about Darkman is just that uh, man, this this is a property that's ripe, uh, you know, for some type of reboot or remake or you know something like that. Because I really feel like the you know the character could could you know, do well with kind of a, a modern retelling, like a modern vigilante telling, um, you know, that wouldn't be kind of your, uh, you know, standard black and white, uh, comic book film, you know, that we're so accustomed to these days. Um, and I really would like to see something like that, you know, something more original, uh, and something out there. Uh, I feel like this is the kind of property that would do it. And, you know, hell, you know, maybe Sam Raimi will get bored one day and want to, you know, put his, you know, throw his hat into the ring, you know, with some other kind of dark man property. That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, with the, the, I mean, obviously they kind of had the uh, makeup back in the day as good as it's going to get, but with the special effects and kind of what they utilized there, definitely could, um, you know, utilize that to make it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen dark man, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It really is. Um, you know, especially if you're a Raimi fan, especially if you're a fan of kind of darker, uh, you know, superhero origin stories. Um, it's, it's definitely worth a watch for sure. Agreed. Well, I think that about wraps up this uh, episode. I didn't anticipate on spending uh, longer on uh, justice league than, than dark man, but man, it was, I just, know there's so much to talk about with that. Whereas dark man, know. you know, the, the original is there, but the sequels are kind of, uh, like you mentioned for forgetful or yeah, they're, they're lacking. So, um, hopefully you enjoyed that. I know HBO max is going to be providing at least three or four more episodes for us. Um, or and IMAX in the coming year. Uh, we have Godzilla vs Kong coming up. We're going to do a mortal Kombat double feature with the, uh, original and the, uh, the reimagining. And then also obviously conjuring has a, has a new film coming out and I think they might even have another one there. So, um, if you haven't got HBO max, it's a definitely worth it for all of these theatrical releases that you're getting at home, especially if you're a little bit skittish at getting out to the theaters, but, um, it's always fun, man. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, we're, we're kind of experimenting, you know, with, uh, other things other than just straight horror. So, I, I mean, obviously horror is our, you know, bread and butter and horror is where we'll always fall back to, but we always like to, you know, venture out into, you know, other properties and, you know, kind of, you know, things that, uh, a lot of horror fans, you know, also, uh, you know, kind of dig. And, you know, that's why we kind of paired dark man, you know, with justice league to kind of give, uh, you know, the, uh, kind of double dip, uh, on the, on the superhero genre, but, uh, yeah, you know, definitely Especially right now with the lack of, you know, horror releases. And I think you mentioned Godzilla can be seen as you know, somewhat of a horror adjacent film and obviously mortal Kombat's fatalities are up there. So we're never, we're never just going to throw at a, you know, complete curveball at you with some, 
uh, feature review of a, of a drama or a Academy Award nominee, but <laughs> hang no, with us. No, definitely. No, 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 definitely not that. And uh, trust us, if we ever do venture out, um, you know, one, one episode, uh, trust us, we'll, we'll probably get back to horror the absolute next episode. So, uh, so don't lose us, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep plugging away with us. Uh, we love hearing your feedback. We've actually been getting a lot of reviews lately and they've been great. Uh, really love to hear, uh, stuff like that, that you guys are uh, enjoying the show. Uh, so be sure to give us, uh, you know, a nice review on, uh, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, and if you want to, uh, and, and if you're interested, you can follow me, uh, on the socials, uh, mostly on Instagram. Uh, I'm at the dot shape dot 1978, um, post about horror films or anything that kind of is, uh, in my wheelhouse at the moment, but, uh, yeah, give me a follow and, uh, yeah, keep, uh, keep giving the show those, uh, you know, those nice reviews. We appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. You can follow the show at uh, scream cinema pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we'll be posting, you know, movies we're all watching themes we have and occasionally doing some, uh, some giveaways where there's digital copies. I think I have one that's totally non horror related right now, but I have news of the world. I got, um, you know, a couple copies to, to give away there. So just be on the lookout for that. Fantastic, guys. Uh, well, thank you for joining us uh, once again. Uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, keep keep plugging along with us uh, and watch out uh, for our next episode where we're probably going to cover uh, Godzilla versus Kong. So uh, until then, uh, stay safe and we will catch you next time. See ya. Uh, the pink elephant, please. I'm sorry, buddy. It don't count unless you're behind the line. I was behind the line. Not hard. I was standing right here with my girlfriend. Now, the pink elephant, if you please. No way. It doesn't matter, Pete. It matters. I won the pink elephant for my girlfriend. Why don't you just, uh... Get lost, pal. Elephant. Quickly. Didn't you hear me? Weirdo. Forgive me! <laughs>